There's a lot that's blurring in our life, isn't there? A lot of things blur Jesus being present in our life. Sometimes it's the questions that we have, it's our struggles, it's our pain, it's our grief, it's the uncertainty of the future, it's the brokenness of the present. Sometimes it's the good things, successes, ambitions, desires. They make things blurring. Sometimes it's the influence of others, it's opinions, it's what other people are speaking into our lives or the, what is other people are speaking into the lives of our children that begin to make things very blurry to the degree that spiritually in our life, we need spiritual binoculars so that we can see better so that Jesus becomes very near and very clear. In fact, that's what this whole week was about for our children. It was about making Jesus very near and very clear to them. We did that each day with a different theme, and so over the, the five days, we had five different themes. On the first day, the theme was Jesus knew why he came. And the story that we used for this amazing encounter with Jesus is the story of Jesus in the temple when he was a little boy. If you remember that story, Mary and Joseph had left Jerusalem. They had gone there for a festival, and, and they left. And on their way back, all of a sudden, they noticed Jesus wasn't with them. So they went back to Jerusalem trying to find him, and they found him in the temple and said, said why would you do this to your dad? Why, why would you stay here? You worried us. He said, well, where else would I be but in my father's house? This is the purpose for which I came. I came to be around my father's things and doing my father's work in my father's will. And Jesus knew why he came. And a little bit later in the week, we would point that out very clearly, and we would use a verse that pointed to the exact reason why Jesus came. The next amazing encounter we had was along the theme of Jesus is the Son of God. And the story that went with that one is the story of the baptism of Jesus. When John the Baptist and Jesus got into the water in the Jordan River, and John said, I am not worthy to baptize you, and Jesus says, yes, but it is necessary that this would take place. And so John baptizes Jesus, and in baptizing, there is a voice that comes out of heaven saying, this is my beloved son, in him I am well pleased. And a, a, the Holy Spirit descended as a dove upon Jesus. And in that moment, if you were there, if you saw that, if you heard the voice, there was no doubting in that amazing encounter with Jesus that Jesus is the Son of God. And then the third encounter, Jesus proved he's the Son of God. It was the story of Jesus and the storm and the disciples who were in the boat. And, and if you remember one of those encounters where that took place, Jesus walks out to them on the water in the midst of the storm. And as he's walking out, you know, Peter says, if it's really you, because we're not certain, but if it is you, let me come out to you. So Jesus says, come. So Peter gets out of the boat and he starts walking towards Jesus so that he might be near and clear. But what happens as Peter walks on the water? Does he keep his eyes fixed on Jesus? No. Jesus becomes very blurry to him as he begins to look at the wind and the waves and everything else that's going around and Peter begins to start to sink into the water. And as he starts sinking into the water, Jesus reaches out and takes hold of him 
and leads him back to the boat and saves him from the water by bringing him into the boat. And they worship Jesus, and truly he is the Son of God. And Jesus proved he is God's Son, calming creation, saving one of his children, and causing them to worship the one who came for them. The fourth day was about Jesus rising from the dead. And so we told the story of the resurrection and pointed the children who were here to the one who came for them, but then suffered and died, but didn't stay in the tomb so that we might know that beyond the suffering and the pain and the difficulty and the brokenness and all of the things of this world, that there is something else. There is a greater hope that goes beyond this world in the resurrection on the last day. And then the last day was the Bible was written so that I can believe. And the amazing encounter that day was the encounter of the disciples on the road to Emmaus when Jesus comes alongside of them and they don't recognize that it's Jesus. And so Jesus takes the word of God and he begins to open the pages of scripture to them and reveals to them starting all the way back in the Old Testament through the prophets about how Jesus must do these things, the Messiah must do these things, suffer and die and then rise again so that they might have life in his name. And it wasn't until Jesus took the bread and broke it that they finally realized who he was. And that amazing encounter with Jesus, it opened their eyes so that Jesus was near and clear so that they might see Jesus and that they might believe. And the theme passage for the week that we focused our children on all week long was this passage from John 20, 31, which when you talk about encounters with Jesus, and why did Jesus come? And Jesus knew why he came. This passage very clearly states that Jesus came for one very specific purpose. Would you read these words with me this morning? But these are written so that you may believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God, and that by believing you may have life in his name. Every encounter in fact, when you think about it, every encounter throughout all of the scriptures is all about pointing us to Jesus so that by believing in Jesus, you may have life in his name. Jesus certainly came and he taught and he performed miracles and he spent time with his disciples and he washed feet, but all of that was to point to the one purpose for which he came, and that was so he could suffer and die and rise again so that we might have life in his name. That's why Jesus came, for you and for me. And throughout the week of Vacation Bible School, that is what we sought to do each and every day, was to point our children to the truth that every encounter that they have in their life is to point them to Jesus so that he might be near and he might be clear. That it's not about living a good enough life or being a good, good enough person or making sure you do more good things than bad things but it's about realizing that we are sinful people who do what is wrong and are only saved because we look to Jesus who has done all these things for us. One of my favorite passages in all of Scripture actually is a passage that speaks directly to this. It's from Hebrews chapter 12. Listen to these words. The writer of Hebrews says, Therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us also lay aside every weight and the sin which clings so closely and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. 
He talks about to begin with this cloud of witnesses and when you read through the scriptures, if you read Hebrews chapter 11, the chapter right before this one, you hear all about these great men and women of faith. In fact, it's the chapter that points most clearly to these men and women of faith and how God worked in them by faith and how they received the promises of God by faith. And so when the writer is talking about a cloud of witnesses, it is very clear that he is to some degree pointing back a chapter to these great men men and women of faith. And he is reminding us that we are surrounded with this cloud of witnesses. That when we read the scriptures and we hear the story of Adam and Eve, they're being deceived and giving in to sin, we are reminded that we are the same, that we look for what is desirable and is good to the eyes and is able to make us wise in the ways of this world. Or we hear the story of Israel as they are enslaved in Egypt. And after being enslaved in Egypt, that they escape that slavery through the water of the Red Sea. And, and by being and walking through the water of the Red Sea, they are set free from slavery so they might walk in the wilderness being, fre- being fed with bread from above. And that being sustained by that bread from above, they might enter into the promised land that is theirs forever. And in that picture, we are reminded that you and I, we are slaves to sin. Slaves who have been set free through the waters of holy baptism. So that being set free by the waters of holy baptism, we might be fed with bread from above to sustain us in the wilderness of our life. So that being sustained by the gifts of God through the wilderness of life, we might enter into that promised land one day of heaven forever. We hear about King David who gave into sin and who is restored by a God who loved him. We hear the message of the prophets who speak to us today. We hear about Jesus and the disciples and the women who are at the tomb and about Paul who met Jesus on the road to Damascus. And and we hear about the early church being formed and we hear about a picture of heaven in the book of Revelation. And we are reminded that you and I, we are surrounded with a great cloud of witnesses who speak into our life so that Jesus might be near and he might be clear. And the writer of Hebrews continues and says, as we are surrounded this great cloud of witnesses, as we keep running with endurance the race that is set before us, he says, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. We are reminded that we are called to not lose focus, and it is easy to lose focus. Think about the story of Mary and Martha. How easy was it for Martha to lose focus that the most important thing was to sit at the feet of Jesus because, well, there was a lot to get done, and she needed to get it all done. And how easy is it for us to lose focus when there is a lot on our calendar and a lot on our to-do list? And we need to get that done too. And instead of sitting at the feet of Jesus, well, we instead take up all the things that we believe we need to get done. Or Peter, who sees the waves and the difficulties and the struggles crashing all around him. And so do we sometimes, don't we? Where we see the pain and the suffering and the pressures and the struggles of life. And all of a sudden, our eyes move from Jesus 
to the wind and the waves and the brokenness and the pain and the struggles around us. Or Mary and Martha at the death of Lazarus, who they know that he is Jesus, and they know that on the last day that their brother will rise from the dead, Lazarus will rise from the dead, but they miss the fact that Jesus has the power to do that in that moment because he is the resurrection and the life. And there are times where we believe that there are impossible situations and we don't always believe that God can handle those situations in that moment. And that problem seems much greater than the promise of God. And we lose sight of Jesus or the disciples at the death of Jesus who instead of knowing the promise of God and waiting at the tomb because Jesus promised that he was rise from the dead on the third day, Instead of all of them showing up at that tomb, waiting for the resurrection, they were hiding in the upper room. And how easy was it for them to lose sight of Jesus? And how easy is it for us? And yet the writer of Hebrews reminds us that Jesus never lost sight. He never lost focus of what he was called to do. In the midst of being betrayed and denied, in the midst of being beaten, in the midst of being questioned, in the midst of being doubted, in the midst of being persecuted, in the midst of being crucified. Jesus never lost sight of the purpose for which he came. And the, reminder, the writer of Hebrews reminds us, because he never lost sight, neither should you. He says, so consider him, think about him, look to him who endured from sinners such hostility so that you may not grow weary and you may not lose heart. He says, focus on Jesus so that when you are facing difficulty and struggles, you will follow your focus. Because that's what we do in life, isn't it? You and I, we will always follow our focus. This is why when you see drivers who are swerving on the road, it is because they are not focusing. They are following their focus. Or if you've ever had a conversation with a teenager who is holding one of these in their hands, they are not really having a conversation with you because they are following their focus. And for some of us, our focus is our calendars, it's our ambitions, it's our careers, it's our relationships. And instead of focusing on Jesus, we are focusing on the things of this world and we are following our focus. So all week long, we were reminding our children what we needed to be reminded about. And it is this one theme. In fact, this was the theme that was on the back of every single t-shirt of every single child and adult who was serving at Vacation Bible School. And the theme was zoom in and focus on Jesus. Zoom in. Make Jesus near and make Jesus clear so that you might have a new perspective on the promises and the presence of God. So that when you face failure or bullying, dating and relationships, decisions and success, struggles and pain, when you look at your values, when you look at what's going on around you, when you look at your priorities and when you look at your purpose, that you may look at them through Jesus. Because when you look at those things through Jesus, it changes everything. And God will use every single encounter in our life, every single opportunity, every single happening in our life, he will use all of them for redemptive purposes, both the good and the bad. He will remind us that he is a God who works all things for the good of his people, 
He will remind us that in the midst of the valley of the shadow of death, He is with us to lead us beyond that valley to what He has prepared for us in eternity. That He will lead us down the paths of righteousness for His name's sake. That He will never leave us, nor will He forsake us. He will point us always to the promises of God. And that's why you and I, we need spiritual binoculars. And the way that we get those binoculars is through this. It's when we spend time in the Word of God. Because the Word of God is what points us to Jesus. It's what draws us near and makes Jesus clear so that we might see Him each and every day. And we had an amazing week this week in Vacation Bible School doing that. We had 257 children here at Grace who for five days heard the gospel of Jesus Christ. Beyond that, we had 74 youth leaders, 20 of them high school students, and 38 adult leaders who served all week long. So if you're keeping tally at this point, you're talking about we had almost 375 people all week long who were here involved in ministry at Grace. We also had 14 of our youth who went out into our community and who served, whether it was at Adullam or it was at Place of Refuge or it was at the Hunger Task Force Farm, reaching out in love towards our community so that either being encountered by or in encountering for others Jesus, we might make Jesus clear and make him near. And then this week, our children also did a, a, a gift, an offering. And this offering this year went to support a wildlife preserve for animals who were in need, animals who were hurting, animals who needed to be cared for as part of God's creation. And our children raised over $600 to do that. Now, you'll see in a minute, they had a side benefit of making the pastors into ice cream sundaes. You'll see that in a moment. But what it was really about and they could tell you this, was it was about caring for God's creation, reaching out in love so that we could care for others in their time of need. But one of the things we also are very serious about when it comes to that is baseball bats. Now you're going, what does that have to do with anything? Well, let me explain. So this year, my son started baseball, and I bought him the tools to play baseball, the glove and the ball and the bat, but I didn't just hand him these things and say, good luck, I hope you figure it out. Or just do what they do on TV and I'm sure it'll all work out. Because that always works well, right? Because I saw plenty of children this year who would get up to bat and they would hold a bat like this. You don't hold a bat like this, you put your hands together. Or they would have a bat that was so big for them that they would choke up like this much on it and you're going, yeah, they should probably have a completely different bat. Or children who, who had no clue and so they were moving both feet and they were turning their whole body as they were swinging or they were doing all sorts of terrible habits as they were swinging the baseball bat. You know, what I did when I gave my son this baseball bat is I didn't just give him the tool, but I gave him the training. I would take him outside and we would play baseball and I would throw the ball to him and after about 10 pitches I would go, David, you need to keep your back foot down and you need to squish the ant, which is step on the ant as you're swinging. You need to keep your elbow up, you need to keep your eyes on the ball and not try to watch for the fences after every swing. 
You need to do these different things. And then I would watch him and I'd go to the games and, and of course I would do this. I would videotape him and then watch his swing in slow motion. And then I would help him fix some of the things that he was doing wrong with his swing. Because I knew I couldn't just give him the tool. I needed to give him the training. But in order to do that, I needed to have that training first, right? Because this is why I don't teach my children soccer. Because that's not something I am really good at. But baseball I played. And you and I, that's why God gives us the tools and the training so that we can pass that along to our next generation. And they need it. And they need us to be pouring into their lives. You know why? Did you know this? That Generation Z, that they are growing up where only 4% of them, 4% are growing up with a biblical worldview. That they are seeing this world through the binoculars of faith. Only 4% of our youngest generation. 13% of them on the other side of this are saying that they are atheists. They believe in nothing. No God. Nothing. That is double what our oldest generation is saying right now. Only 6% of our oldest generation says that they're atheists. That's our youngest generation, which is why we need to continue to press into them and we need to answer their questions because our children have lots and lots of questions. And if we're not answering those questions, well, they're getting those answers from somewhere. They're getting those answers uh, from uh, the world around them, from social media. In our house, our children get their answers from Alexa. Some of you know who I'm talking about. You have one of those devices. Some of them are getting them from their friends. Some of them are getting them from their classmates. But if they're not getting them from this, then they're not able to see Jesus very clear and he is not very near. We need the tools and the training. And we need to give to our children the tools and the training which is why we are going to continue to press into our student and our school ministry here at Grace. And we have an amazing student and school ministry in our jam and our thrive on Sunday mornings, in Club 35 on Sunday afternoons, in Ignite on Sunday nights, in our Christian day school, 3K through 8th grade. We have amazing teachers and a DCE and leaders and volunteers and servants of God who are constantly pouring into the lives of our children here at Grace so that Jesus might be clear and he might be near and that they might have the tools and the training so that they might know Jesus and that they might see Jesus. Because the most important thing that our children can have, and the most important thing that we can have, is the ability to zoom in and focus on Jesus. Because in this world, there is nothing else that matters more than focusing on Jesus. In his name, amen.